You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The award-winning Crunch Time. Start our economy. We need to restart our society. We can't keep Australia under the doona. We need to be able to move ahead. Today, the National Cabinet agreed to bring forward our consideration of the decision on relaxing restrictions to next Friday. Australians have earned an early mark through the work that they have done. And that decision will now be made on next Friday. Everyone's at level A in terms of they can run and train with another person. But how quickly can we get to level B where you can train in groups of 10? And we want to make sure that we have to do work through that on a state-by-state basis so that we know that then clubs can go back to training in groups of 10. And then obviously then move to level C where you can have the whole group training together and we can have limited contact. So we need to work through the states to get that level of certainty. And then we all, in parallel, we need to work through with each state to say, okay, can we, what's happening with border restrictions? Can we fly in, fly out? Or do we need to work to villages or hubs so we need to land all that this week. So they're the last two pieces, and then we'll be able to start rolling out things like fixes and training dates and season start date. It's all getting closer. The Prime Minister promises Australia an early mark and the chance to come out from under the doona. So what does it mean for sports? The AFL has briefed the clubs. Queensland is a vital piece, and that's where we'll head for the latest. This is the adults' table this time. We're not talking about football. We are in the middle of a pandemic. It will adjust, 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 adjust till we get to the best possible solution. But to, to say that this is something that's really on the table, that's, I mean, that's so extreme. That is Armageddon. Over here is where we're heading. You only have to look at what's happening in society. We told the players last night was um, that the AFL's position is um, you know, that they have an issue with bringing families in. Um, but from our perspective, it's a significant issue for the players with families. So um, the AFL is well aware that that's an issue for us and we just need to keep working through it. I think if you, if you individualise this and you put yourself in this position, we've got, um, you know, you'll have your own family circumstances, but we've got a number of players who have um, partners expecting children. They've got ill parents. Um, they've, they're basically on their own in a city because of that's where, where they're playing football with no family support. And let's not forget, we're in the middle of a pandemic here. So, you know, there's a lot of individual circumstances to work through. It's short term. You know, we're not going to jail. We're not going to die. We're not going to war. But we'll end. We will get back to normal. It's just going to take a little bit of a sacrifice for a while. And I figure right now, what we need to do is actually suck it up and uh, do what's best for the game in the hope that we can return to where we've been at over the last 50 years. Once you've exhausted all of your other options, I understand that the hub is the is pretty much your only choice on on being able to get a season away. Um, I think that the, the the time that has been discussed is 
is over the top. A week of rancour now described as a glitch and amends has been made. Were the players set up to fail? And how does the code possibly benefit if the public turn on their heroes? This is Crunch Time. This is one of those mornings where sport is a microcosm of life. There have been major advancements over the past 24 hours. There is a clear and growing sense of optimism. The next step is to find the specifics and work out how it all applies, and that's been worked on at every level, from governments to football codes around the country. The AFL has briefed the clubs and brought them up to speed. Gil McLaughlin says he has more options today than he did yesterday. And the two are the fly-in, fly-out, which is increasingly becoming a possibility if there's uniformity to be found across all states. And the hubs are now being referred to as high-performance villages in a very clear change in the way of describing what, well, the worst-case scenario is. He expects to roll out a plan by the end of the week. And the, the ranker? With the players, it was a glitch. It was a miscommunication. And Gil McLaughlin spoke with the 18 captains yesterday, or the captains of the 18 clubs yesterday, to bring everybody back onto the same page and restore some unity, which had been lost over the past three or four days. It's the first crunch time of May, and it's the first time that there is a clear path back. And by the time we sit in a week's time, it's likely... Well, it might be even more prescriptive. There might be dates around it. Jared Waitley with you. Kane Corns is with me for Red Energy for Australian Electricity and Gas. Kane, hello. Got a spring in my step. Jared, good morning to you and to everyone out there. I, I was hoping for maybe just a little bit more information, and perhaps we might get that from Mark Evans when he joins us shortly. But uh, I guess we just need to be patient, sit tight for a couple of weeks or a week or so, and understand that this is looking a lot better than what it was even a week ago. Yeah, this is the best it's looked for quite some time. Liam Pickering's uh, in our threesome today. Hello, Pickers. Uh, g'day to you, Jared, and hello to you, Kano. Good to be here, guys. What have you made of the week? <laughs> well, it's been pretty full on, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it was all uh, World War Three there about Tuesday, but uh, it seems to have just got, as the week's gone on, uh, it, it started to sort of uh, settle down a little bit, which is good. And I, I think all we want to see is the players back playing, let's be honest, and... Uh, you know, everyone's trying to work to the, to the to the right formula to make that happen. It's been a better ending than it was a middle to the week, that's for sure. Gil McLaughlin's been on Fox Footy, so what I've told you there is what he's laid out. One of the centrepieces of this is clearly Queensland, where the government has made provisions for the NRL, and it seems that the same has been put in place for the AFL. So for the latest information into what that actually looks like, the Chief Executive of the Gold Coast Suns, Mark Evans, is with us. Mark, welcome to Crunch Time. Yeah, thanks, Jared. Um, it's continued to move very fast, hasn't it? We've uh, felt like we chased this thing up the hill uh, at the front end, and um, and maybe some of these restrictions uh, coming down the hill the other side are, are moving quickly as well, and that's a good thing for us. So, from the moment the prime minister spoke yesterday, for life, never mind for sport, there was a, a surging sense of optimism. Do you feel that on an AFL front today? I do. I, I suppose we're all a little cautious to make sure that we've still got the right protocols in place and to, to make sure, I know Gillen's already said, uh, stated quite strongly, we need to make sure we've got deals in place with all states and all of the medical officers 
uh, around those states to have that ticked off. Uh, and then we can resume training and then build up into match play. Whether that ends up being in hubs or into uh, a fly-in, fly-out arrangement, or um, we, we'll still wait to see on that. But it's good news that we can uh, fairly soon announce a restart. So the Queensland government is is pivotal in all of this. You know, I think essentially they're now leading the way. What, what do you understand from the Queensland government in your communications as to what's going to be possible for the AFL? That there still needs to be an approval of all of the health protocols, safety for the participants and, and the people travelling, but also for the communities that they go into. So that will involve what is the testing regime and the hygiene protocols and all of those sorts of things. That still needs approval by the state, but subject to that approval, it will allow uh, for that travel to occur across the border uh, in those protocols. So that means for the Lions and the Suns, if you do satisfy those measures, you will be able to be fly-in, fly-out teams. Is that right? That's right. And I, I think that would also then apply to teams that fly in or fly out of Queensland, the same sorts of things. And uh, uh, the, the degree of testing and the protocols that the, the AFL puts into place will be the key critical thing with that. I know that there was some terrific feedback for the AFL's protocols around the hub system um, by a number of states. Uh, governments have already mentioned that and uh, they thought that the AFL had put in systems that went above and beyond uh, what they would they would regard as minimum requirements and uh, um, and some great feedback for that. So the AFL will still be able to satisfy them around the country uh, the way they have with the hub model and, and that we can can move about the country uh, with within those protocols. So are you able to if you if you weren't if you wanted to if the AFL hadn't said we're going to keep uniformity would you be able to apply to train this coming week? My understanding is we we could from uh, within a week's time, but not in a full group. So I think it would go back to Western Australia have already moved to gatherings of ten. Uh, here in in Queensland, things haven't been as harsh as they have been down south. Uh, the beaches are still open, uh, lots of exercise happening, all of those sorts of things, but um, still restrictions to, you know, no more than uh, your household plus one other person. That's now been changed. We can now move up to 50 kilometres from our home and have uh, two households joined together and things like that. So it certainly is moving in the right direction. I don't think that the AFL um, would be comfortable with different teams having an advantage because of, of those restrictions. That makes it a little bit harder for the AFL in that you're dealing with so many states uh, and territories as, you, as you're working through this, whereas the NRL really only have the three states and the one New Zealand team to work through. Mark, are all your players back in Queensland? And if they are not, do they still are they still required to self-isolate for 14 days? 80% of our players actually stayed, which we thought was terrific. Um, some players um, uh, left quickly. We had, had to make some decisions quickly given the, the other state borders were, were potentially closing. And I think uh, all bar about six or seven players have returned to Queensland already. Uh, still a couple have come from South Australia, the Northern Territory and from Melbourne. Uh, and they're all due to come back in the course of the next five or six days. Uh, my understanding of the way that it operates in Queensland is uh, a Queensland resident. You, you, you live here and work here. 
then you don't need to quarantine unless you've come from a specific COVID hotspot area. So my understanding is that uh, those guys will be, as long as they get through the border and, and tick that off, uh, then they're okay. What did you make of the AFL Players Association meeting with the players this week? And were you disappointed that the clubs and the coaches and the CEOs weren't involved in this meeting or briefed prior to the meeting with the players? Um, it's been a difficult thing for the AFL, hasn't it? And, and for the most part, I think uh, the whole industry has operated unbelievably well. But it is difficult because by the time one group gets briefed, invariably that information you know, becomes public before the rest of the groups are briefed. So I know the AFL's worked hard on that. Um, it would have been a difficult thing for the Players Association to present. There are a range of options and, and you have to show the, the whole range of options from best case to worst case scenario. And I think it's difficult, you know, a Zoom conference with hundreds of people involved, it's difficult to actually get a, a real proper feel for the feedback of the entire group. Um, one or two players or one or two people can contribute something. It doesn't mean that that's the way everybody feels. And um, I can understand the difficulties in that. I, I think there's been um, much better discussion over the last couple of days and hopefully uh, we can move on to the season. Have you, um, Dougie, have you uh, spoken to your players about what their thoughts are on a, on a potential hub situation? I mean, we understand... Obviously, that the the players as a, as a group would, were uh, we know they were uh, they had their discussion with the AFL Players Association and the like. But uh, have you been able to actually get to your guys directly and sort of say, well, what's the general feeling in amongst the Suns? Because you're a pretty young team. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did tickets, and um, I would have thought the order was probably ninety to ninety five percent of of our players were okay. Now, most of them are young, don't have families. Um, uh, you think some of those kids that come out of the talent pathway program, they're, they're quite used to flying around the country and mm. staying somewhere for, for carnivals and things like that. Now, the length of time would be the thing that would be critical for, for players to have young families or, or partners. Um, and I think if you go to the, you know, the worst case scenario would be that we had to participate in hubs all the way through to the grand final, and that would be pretty tough for some players in the league. But uh, our hope was always going to be that even if you started in the hub, that somewhere during that process, things might ease off a little and that you might not require a, a second set of hubs. You might be able to go to fly-in, fly-out. But fly-in, fly-out certainly gives, um, for all staff and players, gives them a lot more flexibility as to how the season gets done and, and how you can support your family as well. Absolutely. And I'm looking at um, Eddie Maguire obviously has said that he thinks footy could return as early as mid-June. Have you got any sort of feel for, you know, I know it's a, it's a moving moving animal at the moment, but have you got any real feel for when you think you'll need to get your uh, your players back into training and when you actually think the season will start? Well, I wouldn't have thought that there would be any training at clubs in the next week. Um, around the country if players are still trying to make their way back to, to their clubs. So the earliest possible start for training in, in those small groups would be the week after. And I would have thought you know, three to four weeks would be the minimum. So yeah, Eddie is probably right that that date would be achievable if everything uh, went well from here. But, uh, but somewhere in June certainly looks like it's a, a starting time. Mark Evans is the Chief Executive of the Suns with us. Mark, in what you described around 
um, the feedback from health of chief health officers around the hubs model and how impressed they were. Is it in fact the case that the AFL is saying that those have essentially been approved um, across the states? Uh, I think uh, I don't know that I've had it said exactly approved, but the feedback that I've had talking to people involved in the states was that they were impressed. So um, that's uh, that's a good sign. I, I think the AFL have worked very closely with them along the way, and still will need to in terms of these uh, protocols and how if if we are to have fly in and fly out and, and return to training uh, regimes. Um, we'll need to make sure we get a tick off around the country for that. So uh, I think the AFL's handled itself very well with, with government and health officials. Do you think that the Queensland precedent around fly and fly out will will serve the AFL well as it moves to the other states to, to have one essentially on board and, and the precedent of the NRL? Do you, do you think that's a powerful case study? I think it certainly helps. If, if you've seen the way... Um, we, we moved into the restrictions. It did seem to be that once uh, a state imposed a restriction, then very soon after some of the other states moved to that as well. Uh, the National Cabinet has set now, down now some protocols for uh, how we can get the country moving again. It still up, is up to each state and what they see happening in their community and how hard they've gone with their border restrictions as to what they now want to do. Um, but yeah, I'd be I'd be really comfortable knowing that uh, the AFL, uh, Queensland, um, Victoria, New South Wales seem to now have ways that we can operate uh, somewhat of a normal fly-in, fly-out season. Uh, now it really comes down to particularly South Australia and WA and and what their restrictions are going to be. Mark, do you need to move now to finalise what your new coaching structure will look like and, and have you unfortunately had to let some of your coaches go permanently like we've seen from some of the other clubs? No, we haven't done that, Kane. We've been waiting for the AFL. We, we understand that things will be different from next year and we've been working with the AFL to try and get an understanding of what soft cap uh, limitations they will impose and uh, our, our view would be we still want to run the best, most professional setup that we can, particularly for our young players, to make sure we've got the right number of people there to develop them and to, to get them up to you know, top-end elite AFL standards. And so um, our, our view would be we'll, we'll keep as many of our great people uh, employed doing those things where we can, um, but we really need to understand the system. We need to know... What is the list size? What's the state league program? What's the talent pathway program? And what are the impositions on the on the soft cap before we can get to that? It has been a very lively week. Um, Tasmania changed all of its approach. I think it knows there's not going to be a 19th licence and the Premier was forthright two days running that it was essentially time to take aim at one of the 18 licences and to cull one of the week. Did you think he was taking aim at your licence, Mark, or at a weak Victorian team? Yeah, I don't know. All I know is that the AFL's uh, strategy for New South Wales and Queensland is working, and I think that has to become more important into the future if we are to genuinely uh, capture the nation's um, eyeballs towards TV and participation rates, then that uh, the 13 million people in New South Wales and Queensland are pretty important towards that. And 
and, and I can see the real benefit that has occurred here in the last 10 or so years since the Suns have been around. Participation in Queensland has gone from 100,000 up to 280,000 people. Uh, in that 10-year period in, in Tassie, I think it's gone from 40,000 to 44,000. So uh, Tassie certainly has some great opportunities to, to grow the game in their own state, but I wouldn't have thought that that would be the expense of a team in New South Wales or Queensland. No, I wouldn't think so either. It's interesting, The uh, there's been a lot of talk around the asterisks on the season potentially of given it's been a it's going to be a different season, we know that. I thought your coach spoke brilliantly the other day about the fact that you know, it would be a it would be one for the ages if you can if you can actually find a way to win this season. And I know you guys are coming from a long way back, obviously, but uh, you know, I think that's that's the maturity of your coach, who seems to be, in my view, um, Dougie, and I don't know him very well at all, uh, to be really growing into that role as the coach. Yeah, and funnily enough, this is his third year. In his first year, I asked him to be the travelling Wilbury. Uh, with the Commonwealth Games and have the first 11 or 12 weeks on the road. Um, and then uh, this year, <laughs> we're, we're putting up with a pretty unique situation. But I think his approach is always to look for the, the positives that you can gain from this. When we had the Commonwealth Games, he talked about as a new coach, being on the road with your playing group and your staff means that you get sort of two years of relationship building into the first six months. And I think uh, he and John Haynes um, and, and our respective heads of physio and conditioning, um, they've done an extremely amazing job, amazing job keeping these players connected, uh, all of these different challenges they've been doing. and uh, It's created a, a great vibe. It's a, um, we will, probably would have liked to have kept the season rolling after a poor performance in round one so that we could actually sort of get back to where we were in the pre-season. But uh, I've certainly got these guys buzzing now. And I think if we do get a date about the, the start of training and start of season, then uh, it'll be just the right amount of time. Uh, I'll be worried if it had gone for another two months as to how you keep mm, uh, motivation of yeah. young people and making sure that they're, uh, they, they keep up to speed. But I think uh, they've done well so far. And if we do return, then uh, um, hopefully we can take a bit of fresh energy into the next phase of the season. They've talked about the, the potential cutting of list sizes. Uh, one of the great challenges for a, a team like the Gold Coast is player retention. And Craig Cameron's done a terrific job up there re-signing a lot of that talent that, you know, the, the, the kids aren't walking out of, out of the door, which is a great thing. What position does it put the club in? You know, my understanding is you've got, you've got a fair whack of them already re-signed for next year. Yeah, well, off the back of losing... Stephen May and Tom Lynch, um, we decided we had to stabilise the club and, and went a little bit longer on some of those contracts, uh, Swallow and Wits and Tuke Miller and, and some of those guys, to really prove to, the, to uh, our club and the rest of the world that this was still going to be a stable ship to be able to build something towards premiership. Um, the pleasing thing for us is all of those young kids that we have bought in over the last two to three years have also signed uh, signed long. Uh, it's great for us to have that stability. It will give us um, a few restrictions if the list sizes go down. We might not have a lot of room to move within that. And uh, uh, so that would be a, a massive challenge for us. Mark, appreciate your time uh, this morning and so well, today. And yes, as I expect in a week's time, we'll have concrete information to work with. But uh, it's good to hear how things are landing in Queensland. Appreciate your time. 
Thanks, guys. Mark Evans is the chief executive of the Gold Coast Suns. So there, there are huge advancements that have been made, and the high-performance villages as they are now being talked about have satisfied the chief health officers. So the AFL's worst result is that, but the fly-in, fly-out is becoming more and more likely, and uh, and that Queensland government decision seems to be leading the way, Kane. Yeah, it does. It's all positive as well, and, and just uh, recommitting that to midway through June could be a possibility if the, mm. they get back to training. And that, they seem pretty um, stable, don't they, the Suns? And they're, look, they're led extremely well. Their performances on the field have been ordinary, but to have 90% of the players back there and, and basically ready to go and having a coaching structure and committed to doing that means that they're at least um, dedicated to providing the best footy staff that they can for their young group. But um, look, it's it's all positive coming out. I, as I said, I would have liked some dates and things like that, but we feel like we'll get that next week and we're moving all in the right direction, which is great. Well, I'll tell you what I did take out of that was I know they're a young club and they've got probably different set of circumstances because they're so young compared to some of the other clubs. But it's the first club I've heard that's, that said they've basically done a straw poll, if you like, internally, if there was a hub situation and... I think we said 90 to 95% of the Suns were ready to roll. So and that's if they can get somewhere around that, if there is a hub, and it's looking less likely than it, than it probably was on Tuesday, um, if we can get that across the AFL, well, it'll be game on. Yes, yeah, well, it's clearly going to be game on, so we'll extrapolate that a little further. Just if you start to run some maths, and I preface this as you can drive yourself mad trying to land a date, but if it was the third week of June that footy did resume, and I think that's it's reasonable to set your eyes towards that, that leaves a 16-week run yep. to get to October. And then you've got five weekends of October where you can either play a wild card weekend and then the four conventional weeks, or you could play four. So you could land the grand final on October 24, or you could land it on October 31. But if footy resumes on the third weekend of June, it's a 16-week run to play 16 rounds to get to the start of October. Yeah, I think that'd be an ideal world, wouldn't it, really? Yeah, we're really just going to end up, overall, (laughs) about a month Less than a month, really, than you know, than what we would normally be, and what that does, I guess, if it does happen like that, providing no other issues happen, is it keeps intact the trade period, the draft inside yep. this year, yep. and and that's critical, and it also gives the players that break so they can come back maybe after Christmas and be ready to roll and have a good crack at twenty twenty one. And I wonder, Pickers and Jared, whether we might learn something out of this. Like, do we start the season a month later next year and push it out like we have done to maximise the possibility of crowds being able to come? Like, if we're still having these issues, I mean, we're, we're a long way away from April next year. It's 11 months away, but it does give some flexibility for the AFL to look and say, well, hang on, has our schedule been? Has it been the right length? Has it been played in the right spots can we do something different next year can we push it out to, to make sure people feel comfortable coming back to the footy and and being in a crowd so you know maybe the players get a, a an extra month off they don't come back to training until after christmas then we push the pre-season out and, and we push the start of the season out so all those things i think will be a learning from from this year well it's going to be a three-year adjustment really i think mm-hmm. with the timings and everything to get it back to if it goes back to what it was which i think it will eventually uh, it might take two or three years to get there. Here's Gil from Fox Footy on the October Grand Final that that is being eyed. Given where we are, um, and and if you look ahead cautiously about when we might be able to get back to train, and then and then a season, we think we think an October, you know, finishing within October framework is possible. 
so October 24 or October 31. In in the messaging that, that went to the players, it did speak of finishing the season at October 31 or by October 31. So that's where we'll turn our attention next is Gil McLaughlin's described it as a glitch and he spoke with all of the club captains yesterday to, to bring a sense of unity back to footy in the week where things did fracture rather alarmingly. This is Crunch Time with Jared Waitley, Kane Corns and Liam Pickering, our experts for red energy for Australian electricity and gas. On 11.16 SEN, the award-winning Crunch Time. The challenge always, Mark, is, is, and we've gone through it, and that's why today I'm being, I guess, continuing trying to be make sure we don't get ahead of ourselves. It's how much information you can give to to give some people some direction, some certainty, which you're talking about, which is important, but not be ahead of it so that you, you know, you, you give false hope or mislead or misdirect, and that's a challenge. And we've been trying to do that throughout this, and I think that's at the heart of this in the sense that, there was there was a very broad brush given to try and give some direction, and I think um, you know there was there was the worst case scenarios taken out of that. I think in the end we both understand we came together yesterday. I, I, you know, I've, I've spoken to Paul a couple of times, got together with the club captains, and hopefully straightened it up. And we've just got to continue every time there's things like that. We've got to make sure we work out how we communicate better and have transparency. Very quickly, when did you speak to the captains? Yesterday. Gil McLaughlin on Fox Footy. He described it as a glitch and later as a, a miscommunication what had happened. The proposal that was given to the Players Association was a two-phase hub set up, eight weeks, three weeks of quarantine, seven games in five weeks with a week break and then phase two, another eight weeks in the hub with four weeks for those who made finals as they went along. No families, no leaving hubs, 32 players only. There was a very human reaction to that and then all hell was unleashed upon the player group in in a most regrettable circumstance in my eyes on crunch time we discuss this Kane Corns, Liam Pickering and Jared Waitley. Pickers you clearly have a stake here with some of those players um just what so uh, I'm opposed to the hubs I've, I've held that view throughout so I understand I'm a touchstone for it so I got immediate communication from players who I would describe as distressed by what was put before them you would have had a, a better cross section of the player group who would have contacted you in the aftermath yeah well they're, they're exactly Jared and uh, look the ones as you'd expect the ones with young kids uh Appalled by the idea of the thought of it originally. <laughs> that's the, that's the simple way to, to put it there, uh, to put it out there. But uh, I think slowly getting their heads around uh, what if it's needed, it's needed. We just got to get on with it. And the younger ones were oh, most of those guys are they're bulletproof. If you know what I mean, they, they just want to go and play. They, they don't. It's not really affecting them. They can they can see why it would affect you know the older players with families and the like. But um, they, they'll just play. They'll play anywhere. As I said the other day, they'll play on the moon if they have to. It wasn't fair on the players what transpired, no. was it? No, it wasn't. I didn't think. I didn't think. Um, I mean, there's two schools of thought. I mean, we had our agents catch up with the PA, who I think are doing a great job, by the way, uh, on the following day, on the Wednesday. And by then, the players had, had all got to us, of course, and told us what they thought. Because uh, you, you give someone the worst-case scenario, you immediately you're going to have your backup, aren't you? That's just the reality. 
but I think the the common sense in the end has sort of worked its way through to think, well, all right, that, hang on, that's that's not the only scenario here. Let, let's let's work as a group and see if we can come together and, and get something that can, that can be a good product, and that's where it's going to end up. Kane is so I had a crack at the trying to end the suck it up discussion, and then that didn't last twenty four hours because. <laughs> Chris Fagan, who's one of the great thinkers of the game, used the suck it up phase. So that was the end of that. Is how did you perceive your your former group? Uh, it was well, it was an it was an error from the AFL and by extension the AFL Players Association. But I think we can accept errors, can't we? And I, I think yep. the way that Gil spoke this morning, he says he's not blaming anyone. When you have six hundred meetings a day, miscommunication will happen and that's life. He think as an industry they've done okay with their communication so far. There was a glitch midweek and I reckon we're back on track. So there was an error. They've put their hand up and said there was an error, and clearly they are understaffed, they are under-resourced. Gill's probably working, you know, 17 hours a day, and, and Paul Marsh is probably doing the same, and, and the players are probably, you know, banging the door down for, for information from both groups. And they made a mistake, and they've put their hand up and said they've made a mistake. So we all move on. Yes, it was uh, hysterical for a couple of weeks, and I'm not saying that wasn't justified either because there's not a lot to talk about. And when a, uh, when there's discontent between the players and the AFL, it's going to be a big story, which it, which is what it was, but it was a big story for three days. And now I think, you know, Gil with his comments today on Fox Sports has sort of poured cold water over that, and, and we move on. And, and as we know in this story, by the time that meeting has been done, things have changed so much from the Prime Minister's press conference yesterday. So it's almost a non-story now, and we move on with what's next. I think it's it's really important that, that Gil did speak to the captains personally, um, because at the moment, most of the communication has come to the AFL, to the Players Association, which is the right way to do it. Uh, and then the play, the players get the messaging from there. So it's not a bad thing uh, for the for the CEO of the game to, to actually call in the, the, the key stakeholders, which are the captains, really, mm. internally, because they're the ones that control the messaging to the teammates. And, you know, that's why you have delegates, that's why you have your captains, and, and, and that's how it should be. So here was Gil on the, the hookup that he had with the club captains yesterday. All I'd say about our captains, Rob, and our players generally, it's a challenging thing. And I'm not pushing any plane with a glitch, because glitches happen, and, you, and, you, and then you need to get your communications right and straighten it out, and I think that's where we are. We have got an amazing group of captains, leaders, players, and I know they want to play, and we'll work through this and we'll get to an environment, whether it's fly in, fly out, or the village, we'll get to a situation where the players... Uh, own and, 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 and are comfortable with the environment. I'm confident of that because they want to play and they want to get this, this season away. So that's skill from Fox Footy. The, the part that lingers out of this, Kane, is that twice during this scenario now we've had the public turn on the players. So essentially the fans turn against the heroes of the game. They did it wickedly during the couple of days of dispute around the pay scenario and again just the complete lack of empathy for what 20 out of 21 weeks might have looked like to a, a group of men in a room when it was presented to them if if the cost of this period is is any form of permanent disconnection between the fans and the men who play the game then the cost is too high yeah it is that uh... And I think we need to remember that. I mean, the players always had a significant 
chip in the, on the table here. They have a significant amount of bargaining power in the return to play, clearly, uh, and so do the AFL against the players because of the situation with the finances and, and people getting play, paid, but they need each other as much as anyone. I, I don't think it helped when um, other athletes chipped in as well, and, and whilst I thought some of those athletes made a good point, I, I think that didn't help with getting the public offside, but I mean, it, it's unprecedented times, Jared. I mean, there's, there's people at home, we've never seen anything like it people at home that have lost their job you know they're clearly struggling with their own mental health and then seeing that players are perceived to be whinging or at least a small group of them um where a lot of other people would love to put themselves in that situation it's not going to be a good recipe but it happens because you would have seen it with uh when the, the players were arguing for a pay increase back four or five years ago i mean the public overwhelmingly say oh these players are overpaid they don't deserve a pay increase so it's not the first time and it won't be the last time, I wouldn't assume. No, it's it's an easy it's the easy one to just whack the players straight away. They're too greedy. They why won't they do this? They need to suck it up and all that sort of scenario. To me, it's a short sighted version of without putting themselves in the shoes of what's being asked of the players. And initially what we were talking about was being asked no one's being asked to do that. So I would think that's that's my theory on that. And the other thing is comparing it to <laughs> the comparisons from people in other sports, fair income. Cricketers and Bloody tennis players, fair dinkum golfers. That's what you pay. <laughs> you guys know you're playing a national sport. That's where you have to go. Like, this is an Australian sport. And when they do go over overseas, the, the golfers and the tennis players and the like, they can go out. They can freely walk around. Yes, they've got to travel. but uh, And the cricket argument doesn't wash with me at all. Because, you know, you want to play cricket for Australia, you, you're jumping on a plane and you're going to England for two two months. That's just how it is. But these guys, it's just not part of the DNA of AFL football, is it? It's not part of the way that they set their families up. No. So, you know, if you if you were told, um, can't come to this profession, and yep. this profession says you're going to have to spend 20 out of 21 weeks away, you, you hardwire your family to absorb that circumstance. So first you make the choice, yes, that's what we'll do, and then this is how we'll do it. And this is where I just couldn't understand the lack of empathy. Is it, if you were called into work tomorrow and said in a month's time this is what's going to happen you go oh my god how, yeah. how on earth are we going yeah, to manage correct. that and that's what it was and what got missed is and i said this at the end the players will do whatever the afl asks them to do but you're allowed to have a human reaction to something that was extreme and completely unforeseen mm. that they were presented with and they reacted to oh i couldn't agree more and that's the scenario as you say if you if you, you know, I hear people talk about the comparison of fly and fly at, at the mines and all this sort of stuff, but you know when you go for that job, that's part of the job. Like, you know that you've got to go three weeks and work, you know, in Kalgoorlie and you're back for a week. And, you, but, and as you say, you plan around it. But to be just told the worst case scenario and just saying, oh, this is what it looks like, you, you're 20, 20 out of 21 weeks with families involved. And I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's a lack of empathy for mine was... was Staggering, and and yes, and what that means. So I, I worry a little bit about what it means. Is if there's a view that the players that that it has grown to such an extent that uh, the connection to the players is lost, and they are seen as um, pampered and self entitled and disconnected from the rest of the community. I think there's a there's a cost down the track if if that. If that is what festers and that's what becomes, if that's what's being revealed at the moment, if I was the AFL, I'd be really careful about that. Nobody barracks for the AFL 
people derive their joy out of the game from the players. If there's a choice who should be the bad guy, it's much easier for the AFL to be the bad guy than leave the players to carry that and what the potential What do you think it's like in, in other sports, Jared? I mean, you've travelled internationally clearly and, and been at the last Super Bowl. How, how are those players perceived? Because they're on a completely different star-studded celebrity level than what our AFL players are on. You'd have to live in it absolutely to know if there's any resentment, but it doesn't seem... I, I don't detect any of that around the high-paid mm. NBA players. So they are exalted as heroes. They provide their great sense of joy and conversation in all of it. Whether there's a, a level of resentment from, say, middle America towards those athletes, I, I don't detect that. And that's twice during this now. We've had a really sharp snapshot of something that if it's there, it, it actually needs to be thought through by those in charge. Recognise, uh, try to understand what it is. And is the antidote simply to play and, and have them back out providing all of that? But this idea that we pay you, get out and entertain us, I'm not sure. I don't think that's how we've followed our sport traditionally. And yet mm. that's what's being teased out for the time being. I wonder if we need to do a better... Job of telling the story of the well, players. I think that's, um, that, that, yeah, might like, be, that might be it, Kane. You might yeah, be able something there. The work that they're doing. I mean, there's the so messaging. many different ways. Yeah, that you can tell your story now via social media, and, mm. and I think the players do a pretty good job of that. And and you know, one mistake on social media, we're pretty quick to be critical as well. But there's a lot of good that they do, and there's a lot of good that they've been doing in this time. Perhaps we're just not telling the story better, better, uh, well enough uh, to get that message across. So Cricket Australia didn't do that with the national cricket team for a long time and then that that level of resentment just flooded forth after the sandpaper incident mm. and then you look at what's happened in the aftermath of that and people's reaction to something like the test where they feel they are actually able to reconnect mm. with these players. That that is a that's a recent real case study in Australian sport. I think it bears some thinking about in what we're starting to see. Crunch time on this uh, first Saturday of May with a real sense of optimism around what's to come over the next week and by the time we sit we might be dealing with real dates next week. There's a call or two to take. We might cast an eye towards, you know, if we, if we are going to get a 16-round season over 16 weeks or if it squeezes to be 16 rounds in 13 weeks, what does that trigger in the mind of Kane Corns and Liam Pickering next for Red Energy for Australian Electricity and Gas. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning Crunch Time. Crunch Time on a Saturday afternoon. Jared Waitley, Kane Corns and Liam Pickering with Gillan McLaughlin outlining what's to come by the end of the week. He feels like he'll have a plan in place that he's able to roll out. It will come in the aftermath of next Friday's announcement from the National Cabinet as to, the, to let us out from under the doona to give us the early mark and resume some sort of normality in life that's been interrupted now for a couple of months. Martin in Roval is with us on Crunch Time. Martin, welcome to you. Yeah, g'day guys, how you going? Listen, just want to make a comment on the fixture, what they could do. You forget the hubs, right? The first week, there's plenty of planes sitting around doing nothing. Why doesn't the AFL charter a couple of planes? Say the first round, you fly two Victorian teams to WA. You could fly the two Sydney teams to Melbourne. You could fly 
say, maybe two other Victorian teams to South Australia, and when they're in those states, they play each of those teams twice within a week, and then you fly them back, and then you, you can fly them elsewhere. You know, you do the fixture like that every week. Yeah, well, I think you've, you're on to something there, Martin. So the next step, Kane, is so South Australia and Western Australia is what are they going to do with their borders beyond uh, May 11 or beyond next Friday? And like Queensland, will they allow fly in, fly out? And my money and my read is absolutely yes, as long as the right provisions are put in place. Mm, yeah, I think uh, at a minimum... Um, from what we've seen, the pressure will be to allow fly and fly out. I mean, there's still a lot of people coming across the borders that are essential workers that are getting exemptions for travel. Um, so I would think that AFL players will be able to get an exemption at a minimum and surely it can't be too far between all borders being opening to the general population just because of the aviation industry and, and getting some sort of tourism going in Australia. I, I understand it's not going to be happening internationally unless it's maybe with New Zealand but for the sake of that they're going to have to start getting things moving so now that it is under control and they're set up medically to deal with any outbreaks you would think that is not too far away hopefully. Yeah I think Queensland that's why Queensland's such a powerful example and what Mark Evans was describing too. We've got another Jared with us. Uh, Jared, welcome. How you going boys? Just to, just to pick Liam a little bit here. Liam I, I went to um, northwest Australia to 20 mine sites and visited mm-hmm. the mine sites and had meetings on all the mine sites in a role similar you do with players. And let me tell you, the biggest obstacle I've seen was this, the, the roster they work, which was a 21-day roster and a seven-day roster. You travel in your own time for seven days. And let me tell you, it's a shocking roster. Uh, if they want more productivity and they want, they want to look after workers better, let me tell you, that seriously needs to be looked at because the amount of depression, fam- uh, suicides, and um, just the sadness in workers' eyes when you're talking to them about being away from their family. So it's not all money can be one thing but you've got to make sure you keep a balance in your life so just just moving forward I think the uh, that, that's something that seriously need to be looked at and the AFL if they're going to go down that road these are things they've got to look at yeah, to, you make a good point. It's tough. It's tough for everybody. But I guess I, I guess my point, uh, Jared, was that he was uh, when they go in there, they sort of understand what they're getting in, into. Is that right or not? They don't. They don't. They don't get. Doesn't get thrust on them. They're... Yeah, they are. But there's been a serious look at these rosters about uh, a, a more a full family friendly roster because, mm. like I said, 21 and then you travel on your own time seven, which could mean sometimes taking two or three days to get home to where you got to get to, right? And then you spend three days or four days at home. Like I said, the, the suicide rates, the depression, the family breakdowns—it's pretty horrific out there in those type of rosters. So um, let me tell you, that, that's not that's not all beer and skittle. Those rosters, no. right? No, not. That's I mean. That there's not. such a cautionary tale in there. It, yeah. It's it's tremendously unnatural. So if mining, if it's necessary in mining, that's how you make the case. It's not necessary in football. No, the, the cost is far too great. Yeah, well, I've if got that's a, the cost that Jared's just outlined, yeah. the, the cost is far too great. Yeah, I've got a couple of really good mates that do exactly that. Uh, one just finished doing it, actually, an ex-teammate of mine who was flying in and out from country Victoria and flying over and, and going to the mines. And the other one is settled in Western Australia and, and is a bit older, so hasn't got young kids. It's a, it's a bit different when you've got young families. So, no, I, don't, I wouldn't wish it upon anybody, to be honest. It's a tough life. It is a tough life. Um, 
Well, there we are. So it's it's a much more optimistic picture, and then hopefully by the time we sit next Saturday, Kane together, we might even have concrete dates to work with. Well, I think we will. It's going to be another fascinating week, and we continue to power through talking sport when there hasn't been any on. I think you know we've done the heavy lifting, and I'm looking forward to actually talking about something that's happening on the field, and, and that doesn't seem too far away, which is really exciting for everyone. Kane, have a, a great Saturday, Pickers. Good to catch up. Good to catch you, Jez. Good yep. on you guys. Absolutely. Good on you. See you, Kano. See you Adelaide next week. Is a very sharp focus now. Kane Corns and Liam Pickering for Red Energy for Australian Electricity and Gas. That's been Crunch Time, the first Saturday of May with real advancements being made. You can subscribe to the Crunch Time podcast so that you'll never miss us on a Saturday. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.